Welcome to Misinformation, hosted by Rebecca Jones and produced by Big Mouth Media. This weekly podcast with Florida COVID whistleblower Rebecca Jones dives into the world of disinformation and how it's hurting America and democracy. Now, here she is, Misinformational. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's just completely crammed, stuffed, you know, turducken of a disinformation podcast episode. I am Rebecca Jones, your co-host here with the always lovely Dr. Cindy Banyai. How are you? Hey, great. I love that you just said turducken because that oh, was hilarious. Any opportunity to say turducken, I will absolutely take it. But we have had an eventful week in terms of just flagrant lies. Um, we're going to be focusing on politics this week exclusively because there's so much to keep up with. And um, I'm going to break it down into big lies, little lies, ugly lies, and of course, our lie of the week. So oh boy. I'm sorry for the amount of times you're going to have to hear the names of people you hate, like Trump and DeSantis. Um, but of course, they're some of the most prolific liars out there, so they make quite a few appearances. So let's start with little lies. Um, and when I say little, I don't mean to diminish it. I just mean that it wasn't something that really took off um, as far as influence goes, but they're noteworthy for other reasons. And um, two of those that I pulled out for this week, the first one is uh, Senator John Cornyn from Texas issued a tweet complaining about how Chuck Schumer has created and quote the shortest work week in history this week because the Senate is adjourning early, which is not only incredibly tasteless, but also false. Um, the week is adjourning early because Senator Dianne Feinstein's funeral is happening this week. And right. as you would expect and hope, many of her Senate colleagues will be in attendance. And so the statement that Chuck Schumer has created a record short week is completely false. This is because of Dianne Feinstein's funeral, um, which makes that misleading at best. But also, not even remotely close to the shortest Senate work week ever. I thought this was going to be a hard thing to fact check. I was like, I don't know if somebody's already cataloged like the duration of minutes of every Senate work week or not. Um, if I can find that, you know, how long it will be. So I was feeling a little overwhelmed. I was like, maybe I can't fact check that part. But just for shits and giggles. I went to the Senate calendar um, for this year, for the 2023 session, and just about every single month, they've had a week shorter than this week. So by no means is this going to be the shortest Senate work week ever. Just last month, the Senate only meant for, met for three days, September 5th through 7th and April. They convened at a 3 p.m. on Tuesday and adjourned at a 10 a.m. on Wednesday July, they met for two days during one week, July 3rd and 6th, because the Senate gets off every single holiday and the day before and day after and breaks regularly and just, just seems to show up whenever the hell they want to, because not everybody is there when they're in session. Right. Uh, and yeah. In August, they convened on a Tuesday at 2.36 and adjourned on a Friday at 12 o'clock noon. I mean, just this year alone. It's not even a record for this year much less the shortest work week ever. And it wasn't Chuck Schumer just creating this for no reason. This is because a sitting senator has passed away and her funeral is being held at the end of the week. 
So that was kind of my like. You should have died at a more convenient time. Should have died. Well, at least have their funeral. You know, let hold the body for a while so that you can have the funeral on the weekend because, you know, they don't take this off every other day anyways. Mad. As it is, yeah. And um, so that was just kind of like a gross little subtle lie, but I figured, you know what, that bothered me. I thought it was disgusting to do that um, and completely like unself-aware. And so I pulled that one. The other one for the little lies was by our favorite um, homeboy, trash boy, rapey boy, Matt Gates, who has been inserting himself into the news quite a bit lately. First by saying that he's going to run for governor um, in 2026, which is hilarious because Florida hates Matt Gates. They hate him. He is so toxic in the rest of the state that even Ron DeSantis, who hates me probably more than any other specific individual, I'm at least top five in the whole world. And when I was running against Matt Gates, who he once referred to as the Robin to his Batman, DeSantis still would not endorse Matt Gates. And so <laughs> that is how fucking toxic Matt Gates is. And his um, dad is also going to run for the state legislature. Yeah, because that worked out so well for everyone the last time he ran it. Um, which he basically well, used to steal all the BP money through the Triumph organization and the Panhandle. But at any way, this he's he's been telling a lot of bullshit lately. That's pretty much what he does. But he likes to seem smart when he does it. And he was on ABC's This Week recently. I don't know why, given that the Republicans are ramping up their investigations around him and he's completely surrounded in controversy. The sex trafficking allegations are still ongoing. Um, but anyways, they invited him on and, you know, he looks like he's losing weight, which means the cocaine is probably flowing freely. And um, I, he's definitely had Botox, which is sad and funny because if you have a five head like you do uh, with Gates or with me, you don't want to put anything in there to stretch it out. But, you know, he did it anyways. More power to him. But he said, and this is his statement, since the mid-90s, this country has been governed by revolving continuing resolution and omnibus spending bills. And that is the reason we're $33 trillion in debt. So he used a lot of big words, which I'm sure he thinks that people will say, oh, he's using big words. He sounds smart. He must be right. He's throwing in a whole bunch of different issues here. Um, not all of the terms that, you know, when we talk about deficits versus debt, um versus like debt ceilings and blah 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 those are not all interchangeable words when he says revolving continuing resolution and omnibus spending bills he's talking about these stopgap measures so recently you know we had this near federal shutdown because we or because of him republicans didn't want to fund the government um and i guess gates is trying to misattribute the accumulation of debt to funding commitments we've already made but don't have we haven't authorized and so just so people know the debt is money that is owed to other people or countries the deficit is the difference between how much we're spending and how much income we have so when we do things like the the bill that just passed to keep the government open we're trying to keep our already assigned budget obligations funded. Uh, we do have a massive deficit, which means we're spending more than we're taking in, but that does not necessarily mean that we're borrowing to supply that. Now they did recently raise the debt ceiling um, last month, 
but those are two completely different things. And if you look at even like the, um, the federal stats and all of the independent tracking of the budget and why we have debt, there are two things that have contributed more than anything else to the national debt. And um, that would be multiple ongoing decades long wars, uh, mostly Afghanistan uh -huh. and major economic recessions, 2008 being one of the worst economic recessions in the last half century. And so that is when we accumulate a lot of debt also during COVID, um, which, you know, is not something we're going to be able to pay back immediately, but we're still kind of in it. So that's to be. And the Trump tax cuts and the Bush tax cuts. Yes. Well, that affects that. our income. So that contributes to our deficit unless we cut spending. Um, and then if we choose to make up that gap with accruing new debt instead of creating new income, then that's how we take on more debt. Yeah. So because Republicans and this, if you look at every single president, I think since George Bush senior, every Republican has increased the national debt and every single Democrat has either left with a surplus like Clinton did or dramatically mm -hmm. decreased the national debt like Obama did. And so this is really this, we have these massive deficits because we're not creating new income. We're not taxing people to pay for the stuff that we're spending. So they choose instead of raising taxes to take on debt. So really it's a Republican problem that is easily fixed by getting rid of the Trump tax cuts, which were <laughs> mostly benefiting the upper class and the very wealthy. The extremely wealthy. Yeah. The extremely upper 5%. Wealthy. They gave us a temporary like relief thing because they knew that it would still be active at the 2020 election. Um, but then a pandemic happened and nobody gave a shit that their you know, tax bill was $100 less a year. And then those expired. And now it's only benefiting the very well off and well to do, yeah. which increases so, our deficit, which means that typically we have to borrow more if we're not going to increase revenue. And I just want to throw in a little bit here because um, as a, uh, a student and a proponent of understanding the economy through the mo modern monetary theory lens, what we understand about this is that the taxation is a way to get people to be involved in the economy and to pay their fair share, but it's never equaled out to our spending. Never in the history of the United States, by the way, has our taxation ever equaled out to our spending because we've always been running on credit and the credit is our debts. So we have always been selling bonds. That's why we heard during the debt ceiling discussion how important it was to have our credit rating and the fact that the United States pays its bills and pays its creditors is a very important part of our system because our entire system is built on credit. And that ultimately it, the deficit doesn't matter as much as the continued growth of the economy and the strength of the economy and it's robust and diverse and diversity, right? So as long as we have a, a robust economy and as long as people are investing in it, as long as we have consumers, as long as we have people buying bonds, that the system is basically going to keep going. And that as long as we're making investments and in keeping inflation down and worrying about inflation because it's not unbridled spending, but we're investing in things that matter like infrastructure, like ensuring that there's not high rates of poverty and things like that, that we actually have a net benefit in economic growth in our country. And that's actually the, the thrust and the point of having a financial system at the federal level. So this kind of lens, if you look at it through what Matt Gates has said, even further perpetuates the fact that most of what he said was just a bunch of big word salad bullshit because 
none of that ultimately ends up mattering. And the all of these fiscal components are what Republicans use to bludgeon their way to political power. Yeah. And the fact that it's majority of the responsibility for accruing that debt are reckless financial policies that are proposed and implemented. Most it's them. Companies. Like, so they're saying that this is a problem, but they're the ones that created it. <laughs> yeah. And right. of course, they're blaming Biden for it because, or sure. I guess in this case, this is one of his further tirades against Kevin McCarthy because he's trying to ouster him and he doesn't have the support to do that. I mean, they brought the Ukraine funding bill to a vote and half the Republicans still voted for it. So Matt Gaetz is always going to be in the majority in the House. People there hate him. You would not believe some of the shit that I heard from people working in his office, people who had to work with him on the floor when I was writing all the stories about him earlier this year, which, by the way, you should totally read. Um, <laughs> I had three employees in his office who were working there at when they were talking to me, just feeding me information. It was absolutely insane. People hate him. And um, yeah, and so he's trying to, I guess, say that this is Kevin McCarthy's failed leadership because they don't have a balanced budget bill. Uh, but we know that with the House, the currently the way that it is, and the Democrats being controlled in the Senate and the White House, that whatever ridiculous shit that McCarthy and the Republicans come up with um, to cut, we're probably not going to support. So right. we're not going to get that balanced budget. We're not going to be like, you know, you can cut school funding and environmental funding and leave the military budget alone. Like, fuck that. No, we're not. Are you kidding me? Take some from defense. Almost half of our budget, or if not more of it, goes to defense spending. And I'm not talking about the VA. We do not touch the VA. The VA is wholly underfunded as it is. I'm talking about contracting work with private operations. I mean, that in itself. Right. First of all, I don't think we should be doing it, but um, it shouldn't be like the whole Blackwater thing. But that is the what? No mercenaries? Yeah, I know. Imagine that. I mean, there's a play, time and a place for shit like that, but I'm pretty sure the Navy SEALs can do whatever our higher guns can do. But I know there's this whole like part of the military. Yeah, but they can do the unethical shit. Yes, that does the things that our military is not necessarily allowed to, as if they don't also do that, but whatever. But yeah, so he's basically just full of shit and he's trying to deceive people about how he got into this situation. And because his Botox looked so ridiculous, I, I really wanted to make sure we mentioned that. One of, so the ugly lie this week, um, which I should have mentioned in the first one, was that it seems like these days, anytime anybody dies, even if you're a 90-year-old woman, it's because of vaccines, according to the always reliable anonymous internet posters. And so, but to show you kind of the extreme lengths that these operations go to, to create and support disinformation in the United States, someone created a fake ex Twitter account under Senator Dianne Feinstein's name. They spelled Diane with one N and left out an I in Feinstein so that it looks, if you're just glancing at it, like it says the right name. And most people may not even know that it has two N's. I didn't until like a week ago. Um, so you can be easily confused, uses her pictures. So it, and I mean, it had like a thousand followers. So people thought this was a legitimate account. It then fabricated a post purporting to be from Diane Feinstein last week that said, and quote, just received the new flu and COVID vaccine. Make sure to get yours. And um, just days before her death. And then, you know, she died. And so now that screenshot of this fake account um, posting this fake tweet 
is now everywhere and people are claiming that it was either the flu and or vaccine or COVID vaccine that killed her, this 90 year old woman whose health has been failing pretty much for the last year since her husband passed away. And so that was, you know, the ugly lie of this week and kind of piggybacking off of the little lie is the, how anybody who dies ever apparently is dying because they're vaccinated. And it's absolutely grotesque, but to go that far, this account was created in 2009. So it's what we called a parked account. So Russian disinformation operatives and a lot of Eastern European organizations basically created a whole bunch of parked accounts. So accounts that they had that they would repurpose to make it look like these accounts eventually were established in the past and therefore have legitimacy. Because everybody knows, you know, if you, I open up Twitter today and I have a ton of comments from people with zero followers and, you know, it, their account was created October, 2023. And I'm, I'm pretty much just going to block it. Like, I don't give a shit. But um, when you see something that was created years ago, you're more likely to believe that even if there's no posts on it from that time, that it's a real account. Um, This is what the Max Nordeau account run by Brian Griffin, DeSantis's spokesperson did. They repurposed a Spanish speaking only account that had Hmm. been um, suspended the year before into this Rebecca Jones hate account. Um, which because of my notoriety got its own notoriety. And now, you know, Brian Griffin goes on spaces chats with it under the name of Max, even though he's been outed as the real person behind it. But um, so that shows you that Ron DeSantis' staff is absolutely involved with this method of disinformation. So this parked account was created in 2009. So people thought it was legitimate too. And to go through all of this just to fuel that lie. I mean, a stupid thing. She was 90 years old. Most people aren't going to think that the vaccine actually killed her. I mean, she's looked bad for a while. Um, I mean, she hasn't been able to perform her duties in the Senate for most of this year. Yeah. She had shingles earlier this year and she had a fall. So yeah. By the way, if we had a chickenpox vaccine when Diane Feinstein was young, she wouldn't have developed shingles. Um, and we back then had chicken pox parties because people were out of their goddamn minds and wanted all of their kids to catch chicken pox out of some unrealistic fear that if they got it a year from there naturally, that it would somehow be worse. And so they all expose their kids and now they get shingles. They get a whole bunch of other health complications that are really awful because viruses don't just move through your body in and out like that. Um, you know, their long COVID is something we've been discussing. There, there's, it's not that simple, but yeah. So that's how far these people go. It's fucking insane. That's crazy. So also based off of crazy people on Twitter this week, um, people are talking about the emergency alert that is supposed to go off tomorrow and, or what well, tomorrow, yeah, the, uh, October 4th and how that's going to, anybody who's gotten the virus, it's going to, Le- le- uh, leverage the 5g network yep. and start 5G. the marburg virus it's going to be activated and we're all going to die um yeah I've been we're going to become zombies yeah zombies. i've seen those on twitter today this morning and i've seen a lot of my good meaning um health information people doing their best to balance making fun of it to show its absurdity with calling it out which has been kind of that was also my approach for a long time it's how people who we're not in the public eye during COVID, but chose to kind of step forward to help combat this, have dealt with it. 
point out the absurdity while drawing attention to the fact that it's false. Um, and, That's cute. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's I'm sorry. Just be like that is batshit crazy. Yeah, I know it, it is know. crazy. It's fucking crazy. And um, he he uh, one of them, Jonathan Stia, posted. He said, "Well, if you've got a sudden craving for ice cream tomorrow, it's probably like this." mega ultralight like made up word you know affecting your triglycerin output through your anal glands thing and it's just funny but it also is like god that really is ridiculous that they believe that shit so it was a a, it's a clever move that keeps it less controversial to directly combat some of this because we do get and me especially known for being too serious um and people would prefer to laugh and get information you know there's a reason why comedy is addictive So I want to get to the three big lies real quick. Three big lies. The first one is more of a general concern. So I don't buy into the whole crisis of AI. Um, It's a tool like anything else that can be used for greater for evil. I mean, we have, it's not the nuclear bomb. Um, And I think that you have to balance some of that concern at the same time. AI videos are becoming disturbingly realistic looking. So there were three in particular I saw kind of circulating the news and they're usually denoted as being altered pretty quickly. Um, And some of them are funny. There was like one I shared of Ron DeSantis saying a bunch of crazy shit. Um, But I made sure that people knew it was a joke, you know, in my retweeting it because it was hilarious. But there was one showing AOC crying on CNN that was fake. There was a fake video that allegedly was showing Joe Biden with AOC and Nancy Pelosi discussing January 6th. And there was a really good deep fake of Lindsey Graham um, that was out there as well. And it's really hard to discern whether they're real or fake, especially for, let's say, people who need prescription glasses and, and haven't been wearing them ever in their life, like myself, who now has to wear glasses to see. If your vision is blurry, which a lot of old people who are statistically more vulnerable to disinformation, if your eyesight's not great, you can't tell the difference. And frankly, even if it's pretty good, it's hard to tell the difference. And so these AI videos are becoming incredibly realistic. And that's kind of one of this big lies because there were three just this week that went pretty viral And the Lindsey Graham one, I was particularly impressed by because it seemed to a lot of people thought it was real. And um, yeah, that was crazy. The second one uh, was the whole Arizona Senate has indicted Katie Hobbs. So this one got crazy and it has a crazy origin story as well. And it actually kind of started with TikTok, which I've noticed is less prone to those kinds of things. They actually flag things or remove videos for disinformation if you report them. Uh, And like another website which I guess we're all calling EX Twitter, like it's the, your ex Twitter, which is I'm totally fine with. Uh, I still call it Twatter, but whatever. So the original source of this lie was not an anonymous Russian PSYOP account, like a lot of this stuff is, uh, but rather a state legislature in Arizona. So earlier this year in February, uh, Representative Liz Harris was expelled from her seat by her follow, fellow Republicans in the Arizona House um, for going on a 40 minute long conspiracy lighting presentation with visual aids, um, which she made in session on the House floor. 
Uh, she, this was taken and then for some reason recently rehashed as viral proof that Hobbs was indicted by the Senate um, or the legislature rather, which in Arizona is not a thing that they do. It's not a legal jurisdiction. They can't do that. Um, you can't indict people from the House. Whatever. But among the many lies, and this is a QAnon nut job, openly QAnon nut job. Um, she falsely accused Katie Hobbs of taking bribes from drug cartels. She invited a far right QAnon and quote witness to testify who claimed that the Mormons secretly had control over all of Arizona's state agencies. It was batshit crazy. I would Mormons, Mormons, the Mormons have taken over the secret. Mormons in Arizona. Is that like, too. I was like, Isn't that like Utah's thing, but you know, whatever. Yeah, it was really off the rails crazy and she got expelled from the state legislature from it that is how bad it is and um for some reason this was resurfacing and said that she was uh katie hobbs was indicted and being removed as governor i saw people reporting this as if it was real and i was like whoa what is happening <laughs> first of all i was like i know enough about you know state legislatures across the country to know that they can't do that um, they right. cannot indict somebody for taking bribes from drug cartels. Um, but it, for some reason, somebody picked up clips on a TikTok and thought it was real. Absolutely batshit crazy, but made the rounds before, you know, being properly ostracized. <laughs> and uh, I, I just think it's crazy that you can get any kind of pickup on these things. And it's because social media is so instantaneous and you can say any crazy shit you want and it can if you are a person with who has a substantial following like me or some of these people have a lot more than me um it will be viewed by tens of thousands if not millions of people before any breaks are applied to it mm -hmm. and um that's i haven't always handled my massive platform with the maturity and grace that a 31 year old suddenly famous out of nowhere person should I guess, but um, I try really hard not to report anything breaking that isn't confirmed because that is dangerous. And these people, though, they don't give a shit. They're there to share stuff that's not true. A lot of these big time conservative accounts, they lie all the time and they get called out for it. They yeah. are here. It does not right. impact them whatsoever. Getting a community note actually passed on any of the main disinfo accounts. We talked about them last week, like Elon Musk in that you know circle. Um, because he has so many stands in the community notes community, it's like nearly impossible, even if he says something that is flagrantly false. And so, I mean, I have people who try to post community notes on literally every fucking thing I post. I posted something that was completely... Innocent and insignificant. I said, like, I'm going to call this my something look. And it was just me wearing glasses. That was it. Oh, my Superman, my Clark Kent look. So I had, I got, and I now have to wear glasses pretty much all the time. And I took a selfie and said, I'm going to call this my Clark Kent look. Within two minutes, there was a fucking community note on it. And I was like, I'm in I'm reality, Rebecca Jones is not Superman. Like, what the fuck? It's like, give me a fucking break. And because they're people I have blocked, I can't report them to community notes for abuse. So they can still put abusive notes, but I can't report them for it. Under me literally just saying, and I, I commented, I was like, who the fuck tried to put a community note on this tweet? 
I was like, it literally only said, I'm going to call this my Clark Kent look with a selfie. That is how absurd this community notes thing is. And so it's really hard to get stuff passed quickly, especially when something is flagrantly false, um, which is what happened recently that we're going to get to our last big lie and our lie of the week, which are overlapping um, during Trump's early uh, trial day. So everybody knows Trump went to trial for the first time in New York case against him uh, last week. The judge presiding over the case issued a summary judgment against Trump, finding that he, and quote, persistently committed fraud by inflating the value of his assets and then stripped Trump of control over some of his New York properties as a result. So part of the lawsuit is already over because the judge reviewed all the evidence and issued a judgment saying, yeah, he committed fraud. Uh, these are the consequences of these parts of this lawsuit. Um, and that part's over. For the remainder, they had to go to trial. Whatever happens at trial has no impact on the summary judgment already made, uh, which of course Trump doesn't seem to understand. But day one of the trial was an, a, a, basically a campaign stop for him. I mean, he posted a, a court sketch in a quote of him at trial with white Jesus sitting next to him, which was really gross. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm talking. I missed the white Jesus uh, court sketch. Definitely white Jesus, um, looking concerned for Trump, you know. And yeah. he um, he's done nothing but lie about that first day. He falsely claimed that he was denied a jury trial uh, because he, he apparently the idiot lawyer forgot to file for lawyers or something. Um, he had a right to request a trial by jury. Instead, he requested a bench trial. It's on the paperwork that his attorneys filed for him. It was checked that they wanted a bench trial. So he's going around telling people that he was, you know, arbitrarily or vindictively denied a jury trial. Um, I, they didn't want a jury trial because New Yorkers fucking hate him so much. Um, but his own paperwork filed by his legal team has the box checked for a bench trial. So, you know, that was one of them. Um, and then one of the ones that comes up with any time Trump is in trouble is that the case was timed to damage his campaign. This one pisses me off so much. And there's a couple of reasons for this. Just as easily, the argument can and should be made that Trump is only running to keep himself out of jail. That's and right. that's because while he was president, he claimed and the DOJ agreed that there was no precedent for indicting a sitting president which is why he was never indicted for the criminal findings on the Mueller investigation or any of the other shit that he was doing, because being president shielded him from those investigations. Not to mention that a lot of the ones that are resulting happened at the very end of his first term. So interfering with the election in um, 2020, the January 6th event, these happened at the very tail end of what was going on. So obviously it takes time to investigate and get proof if you're going to take down a former sitting president. Um, but the argument had been made the entire time Trump was in office that you cannot indict a sitting president. So waiting until after he was done was what everybody said they should do. You know, if he loses or, you know, once he's out, then, you know, these investigations, if they're legitimate, can continue. That was the fucking argument they made. And right. so as soon as he is out and committing a host of crimes in the last basically three months of his tenure, 
um, he starts getting charged with them. And now it's only because he's seeking re-election. So there, these people will find a fucking excuse for everything. You know, yeah, it's not because he's like a lifelong criminal and Russian asset. It has nothing to do with that. Well, he's it not just, being charged uh, you know. with any of that. That's the other thing, too, is like the, the civil case in you know New York is not charging him for being a Russian asset. It's charging him with fraud. Um, you know, right. the other three investigations are focused solely on pretty much the obstruction of the 2020 election and right. you know, the January 6th events. And then, of course, the documents case in which that might be more related to Russian asset in which he took all of these sensitive documents and apparently was showing mm-hmm. them to people and selling them, um, but doesn't right. necessarily directly involve Russia. And so all of these things were things he did after pretty much the election that he lost. And so mm-hmm. naturally they're going to charge him after he's president, um, which they said we should do anyways. And now they have a problem saying it's just because of his campaign. Bullshit. Bullshit. Yeah, total Trump bullshit. Knew that if he didn't win that election, he was going to go to jail. And he's running now because he's he knows it's the only way to stay out of jail. Right. This whole it's because he's running. He's like, no, he's running because of these. And if you don't realize that, you just look at the amount of money that has gone to his legal representation from his campaign fundraising. That right mm-hmm. there should tell you the whole picture. And so that that whole argument made me angry when he was president because that basically says that whoever is the president is above the law, uh, right. which should not be the case. And to flip it as soon as he's out because he's deciding to run again. Um, it's just very frustrating because they just change the story for whatever suits them. For sure. And this is this is a common tactic that's used by authoritarians like Trump as well. Ruth uh, Ben-Ghiat outlines this in her book, Strong Men, quite a bit in, in how these folks are coming in. So, and by the way, criminality is part of the deal that they bring into their corruption and they basically taint the water of everybody around them as well. So we know that Trump was doing things that were wrong, illegal and criminal, and then trying to insulate himself by getting as many people involved as he could and using his position of authority and as president to avoid that and very common very disgusting way to um leverage our system for his own personal benefit as well yeah and all of that leads us into his lie of the week which actually happened yesterday and it was donald trump falsely claiming that the case against him in new york city was in quote 80 percent dismissed So apparently uh, his legal team has made the argument in court that he, the statute of limitations in this case has, should be expired for any transactions that closed prior to 2014. Um, The judge agreed to hear those arguments, but of course Trump wasn't satisfied for the nuance of that and now has come out publicly. And I've been community fact-checking the hell out of this and falsely claim that 80% of the case was dismissed. First of all, there's been nothing dismissed. Um, Nothing has been dismissed against him. Second, a large part of this case was already issued in summary judgment. More than 20% of the case has been issued summary judgment. So no matter what, it's not going to be 80% dismissed because they've already won a big part of it. But yeah, I mean, the ease of which that he was 
he just made up, pulled this out of his ass, this number, oh, 80%, yes. 70%, 80%, 90%. Tomorrow it'll probably be 100% was dismissed while it's still ongoing and is believed by so many. And that is the part that is truly dumbfounding is that people are, and I'm talking about some people in news are just posting the quote of him um, saying that 80% of his case was dismissed with no fact checking provided whatsoever. So that's incredibly frustrating. As a journalist, you have an obligation to at least say, as of this writing, no parts of this lawsuit have been dismissed. You don't have to say, although you should, today Donald Trump lied about the judge agreeing to dismiss 80% of his case. Um, you can say Trump said this. However, at this point, the facts do not agree, which didn't happen. And that was the craziest part. It was like, I, I know I harp on him a lot, but like Jake fucking Tapper, I swear to God, I want just go away. Go away. He's such a bad, oh God. But they do it for clicks and yeah. for likes because that's how the system rewards people now. And um, if those non-incendiary tweets don't seem to go anywhere. I've been running this kind of social experiment of sorts on my Twitter account, which is why you'll see some crazy shit posted there, just to see which kinds of things get traction, which kinds of things, types of language, right. um, you know, is, is a certain bias more likely to be viewed or reported or to be put in the algorithm. I mean, I have like across all of my platforms, almost a million followers. And it's interesting to me, and I'll post the same exact thing on like all five. So you have TikTok, um, X Twitter, spot, Spoutable, Threads, Instagram, I'll do it to, and Facebook. So I'll do it to all six. And the different types of engagement it gets relative to my following there is absolutely fascinating. So some things that go viral on TikTok, and I mean like 1.5 million people view it viral, nothing on Twitter. And it's, it's very strange. Wild, isn't it? I know, right? And well, we know Twitter's algorithm is fucked, and they're lying yeah, and, it, and they're fucking there. with it all the time too. Yeah. I get nothing now. Um, <laughs> I did have my my drag of uh, well, well, we missed speaking of uh, lies and fabrications. My former opponent Byron Donalds put in fake evidence in the impeachment inquiry and got I called out that. on it. Yeah, I heard that. Um, so that one, when I was dragging him on that this week, that got some some big traction, which was fascinating on both Instagram and, and uh, Twitter, the platform formerly known as Twitter or whatever. Um, but like, yeah, I think that you're right. Like it is, you know, it, things aren't happening the way that they used to. And, I, you know, the last thing that I did have go viral on Twitter was something that sounded like it was complimentary to Ron DeSantis, but it was actually a drag. So I think I tricked the algorithm. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, because, you know, Musk was team DeSantis years ago. And right. so was Jake Tapper, who apparently... Uh, interviewed DeSantis and, you know, was totally for him. And I guess now Bill Maher, who's the, you know, constant contrarian who needs to piss everybody off at all the time, went with the least popular guy that he could to find common ground for and let Bill Maher um, use his platform to lie about COVID, which was fantastic. And I will finish this weekly lies off with a, not a quick list, with a list um, specifically of lies that Ron DeSantis told during the last Ooh. debate. Now, 
the ratings apparently for it were completely awful. And did people watch it? Some people did. Um, but I remember I asked somebody for a summary and they just posted two minutes, straight two minutes, no interruptions of them all screaming at each other on the stage. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. But I actually went through the transcripts um, and started fact checking every individual statement made by every candidate on the stage. Now the narrator said some false, or not narrators, the moderator said some false things as well. But, you know, I was less interested in that than the actual statements. The, the main highlights were that Chris Christie had the most truthfulness um, as far as his statements of all of the oh. people up there. Um, Chris Christie gets the truthiness badge. Yeah, he gets the truth truthiness. And I'm not going to say honesty because it, it was a border. Um, but more than half of his statements were better than half true. Um, so, and he criticized Trump a lot. A lot of the statements were directed at Trump. Um, and he's been someone who's not been afraid to call Trump out for his bullshit. And so when he's criticized Trump, he's been honest about it. And that's why his rating is so high. I think Nikki Haley was second to that. And she was basically on the stage live fact checking everybody else, uh, because the moderators weren't doing it. And I kind of love it. Like she called out, um, uh, DeSantis for lying about his crime statistics and, you know, she called him out or Mike Pence called out DeSantis for lying about their, their increased spending. Um, 31% of their budget in Florida this year was federal government spending. It was an increase over, you know, the whole time he's been there. And so <laughs> they were mostly fact-checking each other more than anything, but here are kind of the, the big takeaways um the santa slide every single time he opened his mouth there were minor lies from other people that were bizarre like tim scott lied about having the only hispanic chief of staff in the senate i don't know why you would lie about yeah. that that's such a weird thing i mean there's i think three or four right now in the senate and the marco rubio campaign and marco rubio staff got really pissed off about that yeah it's just it's strange um a lot of repeating the lies about the origins of fentanyl in the United States, which Republicans have been marching to this drumbeat of it's coming across um, illegally because of, you know, in quote, open borders, which is no. not true. The feds not- themselves have said this is false. We can prove it's false. Most of this right. is coming from port of entries. For those that are crossing between port of entries or, or designated areas, 0.02%, 0.02%. had fentanyl on them. And so it's, it is false. It's just straight up false. And every single one of them lied about it. DeSantis repeatedly said that Tim Scott said that um, a whole bunch of them did. Mike Pence lied about reducing illegal immigration by 90% during Trump's tenure. Um, But which was, uh, again, so easy to fact check, but let's go over some of DeSantis's because there was not a single answer that he provided that did not have a lie not one and i was double checking that right before the show to make sure i got everything so he gets like the gold star for lying bad yes he was the at the far end of lyingfulness so we have truthiness on the one side chris christie and then the worst liar of them all was ron DeSantis. (laughs) so first he once again repeated the lie about crime in florida being a 50-year low despite Despite public humiliation over the last few weeks, after 
Florida Department of Law Enforcement, the state that is tasked with this stuff, publicly said that those statistics are a lie. His own FDLE called out DeSantis as saying those statistics are a lie. I spoke with the Marshall Project at length earlier this year about the state's history of fudging their numbers. Um, they wrote a great piece about it, but essentially, I think it's 56 out of 746 um, reportable agencies are actually participating in the crime, the federal crime statistics program. So he says 50 year low. Yeah, you've got like 50 out of 750 reporting. Um, it's completely fucking false. He lied about why 2.6 million people in Florida don't have health insurance with his new favorite buzzword, American decline, um, which he, it's, it's like fetch. It's just never going to happen. So DeSantis refused to expand Medicaid in the state, denying health coverage to millions of residents there. And the notoriously fibbing Department of Health said that DeSantis is wrong about the connection between health insurance and the general economy nationally, because Florida's economy is in worse shape than the national average, especially when it comes to things like inflation. Uh, they are three or four percent higher than the national average in Florida right now, which Nikki Haley called out DeSantis on at one point. Um, DeSantis lied about the proposed Florida school standard to teach that enslaved people and quote benefited from slavery. He falsely claimed it was a hoax perpetuated by Kamala Harris. It's on tape. He My said it's, it's an official policy documents issued by the Florida Department of Education. I wrote all this up, so we'll link to it so you can read it yourself. It's absolutely the fucking policy. And went and decided to blame Kamala Harris for it. But this is kind of a trend of him just she straight up came to Tallahassee that he's doing she, a thing. Yeah, that he blamed her because she came to Tallahassee right after that came out and had a press conference there. And so he's just scapegoating her. Yes. And early or last year, or maybe been earlier this year, I can't, the days, the years are together now. Um, when oh, you live in, in DeSantistan, it's all hell all the time. Yeah, but I am friends true. with uh, Brian Covey, who was a substitute teacher at Duval County Schools, who filmed the empty library shelves after the state ordered that all books be reviewed before they be made available to children. They actually generated a propaganda video attacking this teacher, calling it false narrative or hoax or something like that. When Florida is responsible for more than 40% of all books banned in the entire country right now, they still right. claim that is a hoax. So these are their official policies. These are laws that they are passing. They are available from this FDLE, the you know Department of Education, all of these different sources documenting exactly what is being said. And he's just going to go and say, now nah, that's a hoax. That's his thing. Um, he continued his truly abhorrent display of stolen valor um, by stating that he'll be the first president since 1988 that's actually served overseas in a war. If we haven't, you haven't heard us talk about this before, DeSantis was a lawyer in the Navy and never saw and especially never fought in combat. He was assigned to protect the rights of detainees at Guantanamo Bay, where he then voluntarily engaged in torturing those that he was assigned to protect their civil rights of. He also claimed falsely that he signed up for the military right after and because of 9-11. Um, 9-11 obviously was in 2001. And um, Ron DeSantis did not join up to the military in 2004 after he decided to you know, go to Harvard and Yale or Yale and Harvard. Um, so say we were still college students. So yeah, yes, he wasn't yeah. ready. Um, 
completely bullshit. And going off of that, he decided that, you know, invoking other people's tragedy for 9-11 and his jag time torturing people wasn't enough. He then exploits this case of an 18-month-old toddler whose family was staying at an Airbnb. And I guess, according to DeSantis, this may be another penny in the pan thing. I'm going to have to find out. But according to DeSantis, the child was at the Airbnb crawling around um, and ingested what he called Uh fentanyl residue and died. Um, He uses this. The way that he uses is really the egregious part. Um, The kind of the same way that he lied about the penny in the pan story and the way he tried to uh, use it to attack post-birth abortions, which aren't real. Uh He blamed immigrants for bringing over drugs illegally, um, which we kind of saying at an Airbnb earlier with the fentanyl coming in illegally, even though that's not how it's actually coming, and right. making the assumption that there were immigrants at the Airbnb before them that were doing the drugs. When you know, I'm sorry, who's the highest clientele for fentanyl in this country? White people who rent Airbnbs. Um, so using this <laughs> tragedy. Again, uh, which I cannot verify, I'm, I'm not surprised that if something like that happened, you know, these kinds of tragedies happen all the time. It's unfortunate. Um, Airbnbs have a whole lot of issues. Uh, I did it once. We'll never do it again. And um, not with their like, high cleaning fees and shit now. Well, and I had it. Used to be cool. where, I'll, I'll just say segue because it's a violation of Florida law. Um, my son's autistic and our service animal has been with us for 12 years. She is certified, registered, all the good stuff. Um, and according to Airbnb, if you have a service animal, you do not have to find a pet friendly location. The idea, and this is Florida law, is, is that someone who needs a service animal should be able to access all of the exact same resources as someone who's not disabled. Well, we stayed in Tampa at an Airbnb because I had campaign staff with me. So we just rented a big house and stayed with my family. And um, the landlord saw us come in through the doorbell cam and uh, was apparently very livid that we had this dog. And she texted me about it. I said, yes, that's my son's service animal. And she's like, can you send me the you know proof? And I was like, well, first of all, and I sent her the actual statute. I was like, you can't ask me to generate that. But just to smooth things over, here's her registration card and her license and everything else. Surely thought that would be the end of it. I get a call from Airbnb about 45 minutes later and I'm campaigning. I'm going to like a huge mega fundraiser, which I'm always like super uncomfortable with to begin with. And so I'm already nervous and anxious. I get a call from Airbnb saying that the owners are calling the cops and that we have they're, they're going to help us find an alternative place um, which is the same price. And I was like, excuse me, what the hell is happening? And they was like, well, you um, you have a dog and, you know, you didn't disclose. I was like, your website. I clicked the button and then a little note popped up that says if we had a service animal, we shouldn't click that. Said that that was the way to do it. And I provided her, you know, with the, the registration and the images. And I mean, she's been registered for over like 11 years and um, never had a problem and uh, he was like, well, let me call her back. And so like, I'm like, oh my God, and my family's there. Cause they weren't coming to the dinner. And I don't know if the cops are going to show up and throw our family out. And he was like, oh, well, there's a hotel, you know, nearby. I was like, we would need like four rooms. We can't get the price for four hotel rooms in Tampa on a weekend that we could get that we paid for the Airbnb. 
And so this whole back and forth between me and Airbnb and them with her and, you know, her with the police just keeps on going. And it's not until like 830 that night that she just comes walking in the front door while we're there, just walks in the fucking front door with her husband and starts yelling at us. And I am like, holy shit. I was, and she was so pissed. I was like, I, she's like, well, I want to see it in person. I want to see the, you know, that the license in person. And I was like, I keep it in my wallet. So I was like, it's right here. And I was trying to be calm because that was to me like a big fucking red flag. And um, the second they left, I called Airbnb and I was like, you either put us up in a hotel right now that has four rooms and you don't charge us, or I am actually going to sue you and this person for doing this. She was asking about what disability my son has, which is absolutely illegal under Florida law. Um, She wanted to see my son said, well, he didn't look disabled. I mean, we like recorded the whole fucking thing. And I was, I was so fucking pissed. It was the worst experience I've ever had. I told Airbnb, I was never using their services again. I wanted a full refund, which I got for the whole stay. Um, It was just a fucking mess. Airbnbs are awful. But Mm -hmm. anyway, just to finish. Anyway, back to how awful Ron DeSantis is. It was traumatic for my son too. Like all the shit that these people have put my son through over the last few years. And that anyways, so DeSantis also lied when he blamed the estate's insurance crisis on a population bloom. He then falsely claimed Florida has the highest um, unemployment rate or employment rate in the country, which is not true. He lied about GDP growth in the state and falsely claimed Florida has the number one economy in, in America, even though inflation is much higher there than it is everywhere else. Um, he also falsely claimed that the reason for high student loan debt was gender studies programs in the country. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I know. Them, I mean, those gender study programs well, are really Ask him a question about, you know, student loan debt. And he says, well, universities are going to have to decide whether they want to expand these gender studies programs. It's like, that's not the fucking question. Universities costs are not an issue for those who have already accumulated college debt, which is what the question was about. But of course, he, he blamed fucking gender studies on it. And I just on brand, I will say that. Um, but yeah, I, I could, I'm honestly just keeping up with him is a headache. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that he's tanking. I think he was like in fifth place in New Hampshire or something, which is, is hilarious. Although once he's below like Mike Pence, I'll be really enjoying that. Um, I want to look up in American history. If a vice president has ever polled that low when running for president after they've served. Because, I mean, he's at like 2%. That has got to be in his primary. I mean, Jesus, that's crazy. But I did want to end this episode, which is a little longer, because we're compensating for last week's short, with the introduction very briefly on um, Lee McIntyre's, who's at MIT, very small short book, which you should get on how to fight for truth and protect democracy because I, the intro on is short and I honestly very much connected with it. So that's what I'm going to read from and then we're going to leave. So the intro is called truth killers. The storming of the U S Capitol on January 6, 2021 was an American tragedy. It was also completely predictable. The Patriots in face paint who carried sharpened flagpoles, bats and zip ties into the Senate chamber 
were the inevitable result of 70 years of lies about tobacco, evolution, global warming, and vaccines. After the truth killers provided a blueprint for how to deny scientific facts that clashed with their financial or ideologically ideological interests, it was a small step for unscrupulous politicians to figure out how to use this strategy to lie about anything they wanted, such as the baseless claim that the 2020 presidential election was stolen and that the January 6th insurrectionists were actually peaceful protesters or Antifa in disguise. Welcome to the world of reality denial, where truth is subordinate to ideology, feelings have more weight than evidence, and democracy hangs in the balance. Throughout history, autocratic leaders and their wannabes have understood that the quickest way to control a population is to control their information sources. But in a society that still has a free press, disinformation is the new censorship. Remember that scene in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where Harrison Ford has finally found the Holy Grail, but can't tell which one it is because it's surrounded by a hundred fakes? That's the point of disinformation. If you can't hide or destroy the truth, surround it with bullshit. You can always kill it later. So wise words yeah. from um, a good man at MIT. And with that, we will wrap up this episode. As always, thank you for listening. Cindy is going to give you the spiel. And then we will hear or see you or love you next week. Thank you so much, Miss Informational Rebecca Jones. I have been your co-host, Dr. Cindy Banier, and this episode has been brought to you big by Big Mouth Media. You can check out all that Big Mouth Media has on their website at bigmouthmediafl.com. You can get a subscription to Miss Informational and get these episodes delivered directly to your email for $4.99 a month or $49.99 a year. And you can help fight the disinformation nation and get this high quality information and programming delivered right to you and keep us in business. So find out more about that on the plans and pricing page on the Big Mouth Media website at bigmouthmediafl.com. Thanks so much and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining this informational with Rebecca Jones brought to you by Big Mouth Media. Stay connected by visiting misinformational.com and check out all the great shows and articles on bigmouthmediafl.com. You can also join the conversation with us on Facebook, Instagram, and the cesspool that's Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to Misinformational wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.